Demar? Here. Esther? Here. McKinney? Present. Rummel? Present. Uh, yep. So we have a quorum. We'll go through our usual starting routine, which is to find which of the items on the agenda we want separation, and then we'll take a motion on the balance of the report. I know we're going to have separation on 12 and 13. Any other items for separation besides 12 and 13? Alderman Rummel? Um, here on number nine, there are some. Cutting and pasting updates that need to happen. There are some of last year's dates in the text. I don't know that it needs to be separated, but it needs to be improved. Sounds like it should be separated. Nine. Yeah, okay, we'll take separation on 9. Anything else besides 9, 12, and 13? I have a motion on 1. Um, yes. I can just choose number 1. I have an overriding question on a number of them, but we can just... Separate one. Okay. Uh, motion then on the rest. Mr. Mayor. Yes. One more. Um, I'd like to separate item 11, please. 11. Okay. Okay. I would like to move items 2 through 8 and item 10. Motion to suspend the rules to take up 2 through 8 and 10. Is there a second? Second. Uh, this is a question of suspending. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Motion now to adopt. Two through eight and ten would be in order. Move adoption of two through eight and number ten. Is there a second? Second. Discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. You are here on items two through eight or ten. Your motions have all been approved. Have a nice day. Stay cool out there. Um... And now we will go to item number one, Alderwoman Demarb. Um, yes, I have a question, probably for HR. And this isn't yeah, specific. Oh, I'm sorry. Adopt. I'd like to move adoption of item number one. Second. Second, there is. Go ahead, please. Um, this isn't specifically to the library, Greg. So I don't know if you want to come forward to that. Um, we we see items one through I don't know three four routinely where um, there's movement from employees from one classification to another and I just think that um, I would like for the cameras and for the people at home to understand or for you to explain what happens in I mean, when somebody moves from one classification to another, there's more pay involved in it. Certainly, I don't know if benefits are enhanced or taken away. And then again, why is this happening outside of our normal budget process? Why isn't, you know, people who are going to be moving, for the most part, taken care of during that time period? And is there another time period where that would take place? Can I answer part of that first? Absolutely. Okay. We don't want reclassifications taking place during the budget. What happens is we've got, I don't know how many classifications, but thousands of employees. The nature of the work is constantly changing. Uh, new technologies are introduced, new responsibilities, new mandates from other levels of government, new relationships. And so the jobs of many of our employees change. 
uh, motor equipment is a good example uh, with the introduction years ago in computers. So if this was the job description of an existing employee and over the period of time because of shifts of responsibility within the agency and the nature of their job changing, they may end up doing this work. And that's not so bad. But there are times when if this was their job description and the workload that they had, this is what they end up doing. And so their function no longer resembles the job description that might have been created 20, 30 years ago. And there's two ways we have to address it. One is there may be an existing classification for which, to which they should be moved. And the other possibility is there's nothing in the existing classifications that we have that require, um, that, that, that exist and so we have to create something new uh, that we didn't have before. perfect example of that is when we first created the position for the IT director. Um, so this is done on a regular basis of reviews. Now, sometimes it causes consternation because the change in classification may move the individual out of a bargaining unit. This is something that Alderman Revere is very sensitive to, but as the data in the reports from HR shows over a period of time, we are basically, as a unit, as a government, moving through time from week to week, month to month, year to year, and our proportion of people in bargaining units to supervisory personnel is really not changing. But if we were to uh, make all of the changes at once, it would be very disruptive and uh, uh, lead to, to, to problems in terms of where people belong and, 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 and less than subtle transitions from year to year. Nailed it. Good job, Mayor. <laughs> so, so to paraphrase, what you're saying is that this is an on, what I heard is that this is an ongoing process of review of employees' job descriptions to make sure that what they're actually doing is within their job description. It's a review of their job description and a review of the work that they do and a review of work that needs to be done. For example, sometimes uh, we'll, we'll find that nobody is doing it and maybe uh, no one is capable of doing it, in which case we have to create a completely new uh, classification, a job description, and give it a classification. And then uh, if we're going to fill it internally, we'll probably have to put somebody through training. Are there other reasons that they would move from classifications? I mean, generally, as Mayor explained, you know, it's changes in duties and responsibilities over time. So, I mean, the things that you see on your agenda generally fall under one of two areas, where we have existing employees, their duties and responsibilities have changed over time. We'll conduct the study to see what their appropriate classification should be. And then if it does result in a change, we want to recognize that change immediately. So, you know, if we find out about it in January, you know, it's not fair to the employee to wait until the next budget to have that kind of a change in order because 
they're doing that work today and it's work that needs to be done today. Um, the other situation is when there's vacancies, then departments will take the opportunity to review the work and that's item number one. You know, the library has a vacant position. They're creating this new library supervisor position to manage their collections. It's work that's not currently being done. Library needs to get this work done and so they're requesting that this position be filled now. So. I mean, a lot of times new positions will be created in the budget, but other times as vacancies arise over the course of the year, that gives the department that opportunity at that time to evaluate, you know, what is the work, what work needs to be done, and does that cause a change in classification. We haven't had a furrier around here for years. No furriers. Okay, any other reasons that you can think of? No? Okay. No. Alderman? For Mr. Schmidtke, so as as you started out, Alder Demar, saying this happens regularly, and this isn't about this position, I get it. But um, how every year is there like a number you track that says we've like enhanced these jobs, and then we compare it year to year, or is it is there any way that we kind of look at this as a, a item? I mean, in terms of the cost effect of reclasses, yeah, I mean, or we reclass a job and it's kicked up a little bit, or you know, or you add something, vacate this, mm -hmm. add this. All the things that we do, is there like any way that we track that over time? Uh, we don't. I don't know if HR does, but um, we certainly can track it. But um, really the agencies, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, are delegated to manage that. So they're looking at how, you know, what are their um, overall structure that they may want to have in terms of positions and our duties changing and then they if they result if that results in a um, increase in costs they have to manage that within their salary line during the budget and then we'll you know when we do the next budget um, as with every budget we do a snapshot of the salaries at a certain time and you know that's that's where things are funded so to some extent the uh, agencies do have to manage for some period of time if there is some additional costs associated with reclasses uh, but we don't track you know precisely what that cost might be thank you perhaps this is a similar question I don't know probably to HR but um, you mentioned like a study of the scope of work and if that comes due at a certain time. Do those happen on a periodic basis? Or are they done in conjunction with employee annual reviews or is there any sort of method to the madness of when we assess that? We get positions um, as departments bring them to our attention. So, I mean, it's incumbent on the departments to be monitoring their employees' work and then, you know, we average, you know, 50, 60 job studies a year. So, and they are spread out through the course of the year. So on average, that means we get about five to six of these a month that then get assigned and doled out. So that's why you see them on every month's agenda, because we have a monthly personnel board meeting that then um, transfers those files here for fiscal review. Also, sometimes it's initiated by the employee who says, my job started out like this, and over time with other employees doing other work, with shifts of responsibilities, I'm now working here out of my classification, out of my job description, and I'd like something done about it. Um, we don't have the problem as much today as we once did, but in the 70s and 80s, it was a real major problem in terms of gender-based employment where women doing the same work or similar, similar work to what men were doing had different classifications, but when you examine job responsibility <coughs> and 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 salary, 
um, it wasn't working. The example of that, which was so classical at the time, was the parking utility employees who were men who issued tickets and the meter maids who were all women uh, who basically did the same work. Meter maids were not paid the same rate as uh, the parking utility employees. Alderman Cheeks. Um, so far we've talked about this. Uh, this has been extremely uh, informative. Thank you, Alder DeMarne, for bringing this up. So far we've talked about this predominantly in the in the um, uh, in, in a very positive tone, suggesting progress and growth and innovation. Uh, I wonder if we can, um, if if I can better understand how this works in a situation where you know, there's three buckets of work. There's a, a team of people that are expected to do that work. It turns out that amongst that team, um, nobody's doing that third bucket. And so we say, well, we're, we don't have the capacity to do the third bucket. And so we, um, we we end up bringing on more people to do work that, that really was expected to get done, and somehow it's not getting done. Um, uh, maybe maybe it'll be described that that never happens in our organization, but that's a thing that happens oftentimes in organizations. I wonder, how do we deal with uh, the, the shift in sort of just, just performance over time? Um, well, the first thing that has to be done is determination of workload, mm -hmm. which may not have anything to do with classification mm -hmm. or with job description. And then if certain work is not getting done where there were expectations, the agency is going to do analysis as to why and find out what is going wrong. Um, we had a classic example of that involving streets back when Joe Sensenbrenner was mayor where um, sanitation trucks were not picking up as much waste as it was expected they could. But then it was determined that the problem was at the loading station where the trucks emptied, where everybody was in line, and it had nothing to do with the performance of the sanitation workers. It had to do with congestion at the uh, dumping station the transfer point would be more accurate. But that analysis will be done, and if the answer is what I just described, then we've got to make those changes. But it may be that we're using outdated technology. It may be that we're expecting people to do things for which they don't have the job skills. It may be a training issue, not a classification issue, or it may be a classification issue. It could be any of those things. But the analysis has to start with what were the expectations and what's not getting done. Thank you. Item one is before us for discussion. Seeing none, motion is adoption. Uh, seeing no discussion, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item nine. Get to move item nine, please. Right, nine and a second. Second. Is. Alderman Rummel. In the, in the text, under the number three, with the first be it further resolved, it has 2014 dates. And it just needs to be updated based on, I believe it would be the, the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Right. All right. And then 
make those corrections. Those need to be corrected. Um, if there's no objection, I'll take that as a friendly editorial correction. And then there's another issue of substance here. If I'm not mistaken, the adoption on the budget is, I don't know the dates in front of me, are scheduled for a, the council, regular council meetings a Tuesday night, and then they're scheduled for three nights, which is Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, what happened to the Friday? It's Tuesday, Excuse Wednesday. me, the following Monday. The document I saw had the following Monday. You might have been looking at the 2016 calendar that the council, I think, council adopted. Meetings. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is, the, this is the 2015 budget. So the council just adopted the 2016 calendar, which I did have different dates on it because of, I think, National League of Cities conference. So it's yep. different than right. a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday okay. pattern. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, so we've got the the well, uh, 2016. So those dates I gave away from 2016. I'm going to come back on the 2016 and ask for a change there on that one. But in any case, um, we'll notice those notice those and correct them editorially. Anything else on this item? Seeing none on adoption. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to item 11. Move, move adoption of Is there a second? There second. is. Discussion. I think I just have a quick question for staff. Matt, can you? Thank you. I appreciated having the chance to connect with Dan Canelli on this this afternoon, so I'll be brief in my questions. I just had a couple questions about the necessity of expending more at this point in time, particularly considering that we're likely going to be pushing the public market out in the SIP and whether or not staff saw, so my question to you, Matt, I guess, is if staff feels like there's enough capacity here um, to provide an overview of the public market business plan to us as alders without bringing the consultants back, or if you would recommend that it's really necessary that we get the update from the consultants who provided the business plan. Sure. So currently there's a resolution uh, working through the legislative process to accept the business plan for the public market. Uh, certainly, as staff, we have the capacity to, to brief the council on, on what that business plan says and, and the direction that it's heading relative to the market. The thought process of, of bringing members of the consultant team to the community to present on September 15th is that if the council has questions about some of the assumptions that the consultant team had when they prepared their work, that it would provide an opportunity for alders to ask the consultants specific questions about some of the assumptions that they used. Okay. One point to follow up. So you said right then that this would be a public presentation, so it would not be just a presentation to alders, but we'd make sure that we invited in the community impacted, engaged in these conversations so that we'd be probably making best use of the time of the consultant. Yes, the, the thought would be to actually have the consultant at the council meeting on September 15th so that as the council is in discussion regarding that business plan, if there are specific questions that the council has of the consultant, the council can ask members of that team directly. So would you recommend as staff that we invite them back and we expend the $5,000? I, I would. I think it could be useful, given some of the questions that I know some others have raised about the public market. Great. 
Thank you. Further discussion? Alderman Arums? It's a rather unusual request that we have a contract. They do the study, and then we have to pay another $5,000 to get the their thinking on it and the results of the contract. I mean, sort of like you know, doing the study, and then here's the extra pay for getting to the conclusion. It's it's not uh, it's not really unusual from the standpoint that we we've expended our our funds through the contract. Uh, we've done I mean they've really gone above and beyond and have done a lot of work outside of kind of the original scope of the contract. And you know we're we're at a point it's not uncommon for us to amend a consulting contract. Mm-hmm. And in this case, um, you know we we think that there's some value in in this additional expenditure of, of having them. Was a presentation or a report part of the original contract? The report was, but the presentation was not. Further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item 12, uh, adopting and confirming the labor agreement between the city and the Teamsters. Is there a motion? To move adoption of item 12. Motion and a second. Great. Just assume do this in open session. It's been ratified by the Teamsters. So can you guys explain the details of the agreement, where we're at? Sure. Their contract expired March uh, 10th of 2014. The new agreement will go to uh, from March 10th, 2014 until December 31, 2018. There is uh, a 0% increase in December of 14, a 2% scheduled wage increase in December of 15, 3% in December 16, 2% in December 17, and 2% again in December 18. There's some additional contributions to the post-employment health plan. And uh, there's been some changes in the attendance rules that we think will be helpful with overtime. Let me just note that this is, for, for a city contract, a relatively long contract. Uh, normally contracts are two to three years? We were limited by Mira before to three years. When Act 10 came about, they took away the contract uh, length limitation. Chuck, you want to just go over some of the things that as management of, of Madison Metro, you asked and got into this contract? We currently have in our contract today different levels of attendance issues uh, because our schedules are so time sensitive in the transit industry. You hear this term laid out where we are very precise because our buses have to go out on time. And then we have another category called unexcused absences. And we have put those together in one attendance infraction category for ease of administration, ease of understanding the rules, and to avoid a little gamesmanship uh, between jumping around between the two when there's an issue. Um, under another section of the contract where we have absence without pay, that's when someone has exhausted their FMLA, exhausted their sick leave, and uh, other benefits. Uh, we have a current program where you uh, can have numerous 
absence without pay incidents in a quarter, this tightens it up so that every three absence without pays, you know, we're talking to you, we're having a conversation, a predetermination hearing. Um, and this was something that all sides agreed to as something that will help Metro, again, as Greg said, with our overtime and ease of administration. We also have a stronger language on electronic distractions that is an issue that has grown in the transportation industry uh, where we want to be clear that that's not something that expires. We don't want people saying, well, if I didn't get into trouble in the last year, uh, maybe I can. Well, it's, it's stricter now where you have a warning in your lifetime at Metro. And if you have a second infraction of electronic distraction, uh, it can subject you to termination. That's very common around the transit industry where you're carrying people, driving a 35,000-pound vehicle or a train. Uh, the risk of electronic distractions, we have to manage that. Those are a couple of the key highlights. Questions? Alderman Cheeks? How do you manage electronic distraction? Pardon me? How do you manage electronic distraction? How would you find out about that? Uh, it can come in the form of a complaint. It can come from me observing someone on the street. It can come from a customer calling in, and we have videos on our buses. Uh, in one case, it came in from an accident where we were able to see it was related to an electronic distraction. So uh, we have a number of tools that weren't available 10 years ago. They're very accurate, uh, and so we feel like we have a tool to make sure we're not guessing. We, we have a clear evidence. That's great. Thank you. Um, Greg, one more thing. Could you just uh, explain how this fits in with the discussions we're presently having about health insurance? Yes. Um, the Teamsters agreed to move to what is called Option 4 in the Wisconsin Public Employers Health Plan that we are uh, in, in, that we are in with the state. Um, they agreed to move to Option 4 when all other city employees move at that time. They also reduced the, um, the, the cost to the city. On, we were paying 105% of the lowest cost provider, and they went to 100%. So that has... There's a savings there. It's not very small. But the important thing is that if the other city employees go to option four, the Teamsters who do have bargaining rights, we do not have to then rebargain or renegotiate this with them. Mm -hmm. it, it goes automatically. And we can't. We're prohibited from bargaining health care with police and fire by Act 32, uh, but I am meeting and conferring with them and talking to them about it. And we've had... Um, two sessions now with the associations and we involved a federal mediator to facilitate those discussions. We have a third session next Friday and a fourth one two weeks after that, I think. Further questions? Alderman Aarons? Uh, maybe these are questions for uh, Mr. Schmidtke because it relates to the uh, language in the fiscal note. Um, it says in the second paragraph um, there'll be a savings in the uh, 2015 operating budget of $620,000, and that's due to the. Oh, I see. So it's it's because of the reduction from 2.26 to zero. That's correct. So we're called. So it's really. I mean, this contract really has a zero for all of 2014. 
zero for all of 2015. And 2014, because the contract began in March of 2014. The increase is coming in the last pay period of December of each year. So they got an increase in December 2013 that covered their hours in 2014. And their contract expired, and so we're up to December 2014. Okay. So the difference, the 2.26, is that associated for is that rolled up for each year? That is, for the five years of the contract, is that $620,000 accounted for in five years? No. Or is it accounted for in just the first year? That's, not, that's, the, that's how we budgeted it. So we budgeted that amount in the transit um, budget for a pay increase of that amount because um, we didn't know what would ultimately be bargained, and that's what the, you know, the, most of the city employees, other than the police and fire commission staff, mm-hmm. received. And so that is in the, the transit budget for 2015, and because the Teamsters agreement does not have a pay increase, then there is, in effect, that additional budget authority in the transit budget. Mm-hmm. But that, that continues to be, you know, in addition for payout for the city for each of the future years because it doesn't roll up. But we, we're not counting for that. Yeah, we're, no, we're just... You know, it's just sort of building that next year of 2% on that, you know, on the, the lower base. For so. 16. And um, it says that there's a savings of $1.5 million to $1.8 million um, in the overall <laughs> city budget as a result of this movement to um, option four. Is that just for this unit? No, that, that, that would be, be for all units. That would be all employees um, oh. entering into that option. For 2016? For whatever year whatever. it would ultimately start. Whenever it starts. Right, that's right. the annual, the estimated annual effect. It's, effect, it's estimated to have a 5%, um, the value of 5% on premiums. Mm-hmm. So we don't know the date of implementation well, the so, date of implementation will be January 1st, so that's when we always do our our health insurance contract start date. Mm-hmm. Okay. The actual, probably if you want to just take Teamsters as a percentage of total city employees, that unit, is, 20, is there 20% of total city employees, $37 million on insurance this year approximately, so it's about $7 million, so 5% is about $350,000. <clears throat> Thank you. So just to clarify, this this text says when all city employees move to this option, but you, Mr. Schmidicki, had a date. Can you say that we have all arrived at a date when this option goes into place, or is that did I misunderstand you? I was only saying that whatever, whenever it's effective, it's effective with the beginning of the calendar year. Whatever calendar year is chosen to implement, and you have to pass a resolution and notify ETF in, I think, the September prior to the start of that subsequent calendar year in order to make a change. So for the city, a calendar year starts in January? Yes. Thank you. Further questions or discussion? Seeing none on the motion, which is to adopt. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Greg, Chuck, thank you very much. Thank you. Especially for the hours that have gone in and 
pass that on to the Teamsters. Thank you. Um, we're at item 13. I'd like to move item 13 for an update. Okay. Let's start out in open session if there's no problem. A motion and a second to take up 13 and get the update. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Uh, we've got registrations from Bob Dunn, representing JDS, supporting wishing to speak, and Kevin Conroy, uh, supporting and available to answer questions. Um, why don't we have George Austin provide us with an update on the report, and then go to Bob, uh, Bob Dunn. Alderman Schmidt, we were worried about whether you'd be here on time. I mean, beyond what we got. Oh, no, Natalie, yeah. Mike, you want to? <clears throat> okay. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, there's some material on the um, media board in front of us. Uh, just walk through this briefly uh, as a check-in with the Board of Estimates today. Um, as you know, when the council met on July 7th, you authorized uh, execution of the development agreement uh, referred to in that resolution as the preliminary development agreement, and that did occur on July 15. It was executed by both parties and was um, uh, sent to the Common Council, I believe, that, that evening. Um, what I want to do just to frame this for uh, your discussion tonight is, um, as you recall, in May 19th, we set up a two-step process to bring to the Board of Estimates on June 29th and on to the Council on July 7th a preliminary development agreement, which we did and it was signed, followed by a final development agreement now called an amended and restated agreement, which will come forward to you on August 24 if we're able to complete it, and then on to the Council for consideration on September 1st. Um, so, as you know, there were a number of issues. We've talked about them here at the Board. we talked about the Council and uh, I think a term that our city attorney framed, uh, we punted on a number of items uh, that we uh, were involved just because of the amount of time we had to, to deliberate on the preliminary agreement. And basically, you see here deal points that need additional negotiation prior to the August 24, and we can probably want to talk about some of these in closed session. But clearly, the um, um, cost of parking to be paid by the exact science company employees, uh, definition of parking income uh, from the uh, um, CDA uh, owned ramp that would be leased to the private developer, uh, parking income under the, uh, the lease, uh, and the dis disposition of the interim revenue from the unused exact science and hotel parking stalls. They all come online at the end of phase one, but then there's a phase-in period until those spaces are used. So that's a, and then it culminates uh, with a parking lease term sheet that is to be brought forward by the 24th. So that is a body of work that's taking a considerable amount of our negotiation team and negotiation time at the table. Uh, in addition, uh, one of the items in the uh, um, uh, July 7th, amended resolution, the reporting and oversight mechanism for ensuring compliance with the jobs TIF terms. We're defining that language for in inclusion in the agreement uh, and trying to get a, uh, 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 our sense of the, uh, based on the parking ramp redesign that you know is going on um, to get the hotel room count prior to the August 24th BOE. So that issue can be understood, recognizing there's still an additional body of work that will come forward before the uh, project commencement closing in December. Uh, 
focusing on project labor agreement as well as the labor piece and a targeted business participation and bringing those materials in a level of detail that you've requested for the August 24th meeting. And finally, um, the reacquisition of property prior and prior to and post commencement and the impact of that should that occur uh, on the TIF guarantee. We're working those issues out, which we expected to do in this phase. And last but not least, probably not something that we'll talk about tonight, but just making sure all the insurance and risk management issues are in order relative to going forward with a final agreement. So that's what's happening uh, this month. If you can scroll forward, David. Um, in the uh, agreement, there are items to be provided by JDS Development and Exact Sciences before August 24th. Those included a completed TIF application. We expect to see within the day, uh, and it was to be submitted by July 31st, and they will meet, exceed that, it appears. Um, preparation of a mutually acceptable purchase agreement by August 15th, as well as an interim city ground lease with a land transfer that would occur at closing on September 15th. And what was talked about quite a bit at the council meeting, the debt and equity commitments and the amount of the construction loan proceeds to be dispersed at the closing by the lenders. Um, and, and finally, the exact lease agreement between JDS Development and Exact Sciences. So those, those have to be provided by um, JDS Development and Exact as a condition of moving to this final stage agreement. Their analyses and information be provided by the, uh, to the BOE by the, net, the 24th uh, based on that TIF application, a TIF gap analysis with financial term sheet. And then I won't walk through all these, but these come from the resolution that was adopted by the City Council on July 7th, uh, and we expect to have that as part of our negotiating team report when we bring that forward to you uh, later in August. If you look, continue to the next section, um, we actually created a calendar. Uh, with the agreement being signed on the Wednesday, the 15th of July, uh, we basically have um, six weeks between that date and the August 24th council meeting. Uh, we met last week, and you can see we, held, we did hold two negotiating sessions. We're focusing on parking issues, um, TIF application, and uh, further work on labor peace and project labor agreement. Uh, this week, we wanted to expand that discussion into reacquisition issues, the parking count, and the reporting mechanisms. Uh, the week of August 3rd, um, again, we continue at the table, uh, concluding with the TIF gap analysis, the insurance issues, and the targeted business participation elements, uh, trying to wrap up the negotiations the week of the 10th with a completed draft of the amended agreement that would come forward no later than August 20th to you uh, for a meeting on the 24th. Um, that following that would be on first, uh, the week of August 31, uh, council would consider it. Um, and they're looking for a closing targeted for September 15th of the executed uh, development, uh, amended and restated development agreement, the purchase agreement, and the assignment agreement in the city ground lease. Um, as you look out a little bit further, um, there are deliverables from the development agreement prior to the project commencement closing on December 4. And you can see there the hiring diversity MOU, the exact sciences transportation demand management plan, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight, too. Uh, the land use approvals have to occur. Uh, construction manage administration agreement uh, for the CDA uh, construction elements and council approval of the hotel elements, including, you see the list there, style, size, location, room count, brand, operator, room block agreement uh, in particular. Um, and then at closing, uh, the agreements that are referred to and that were in the preliminary agreement, uh, <coughs> including all the guarantee um, uh, agreements, uh, as well as the condo declarations and conveyance uh, 
So there's a fair amount of uh, legal work to be done there, and then post-project closing the parking structure construction contracts. Purpose of that uh, is just to give you a sense of pace and, and what to expect in August, what we have left to do then, should you decide to continue to go forward with the project in September to produce before closing in December. Hey, uh, maybe this time, Mr. Dunn. Thank you, Bob. Good evening. Uh, I just want to pick up on where uh, Mr. Austin left off. I think the outline gives you a good sense of the, the issues that stand before us and the timing and pace of how we have to move to bring this to a closing. A couple of comments that I would add on parking. We've spent a good amount of time on parking over the last week. I think we have some ideas that we'll try and get resolved this week in terms of how to address city concerns on parking, uh, which will include... Uh, getting a draft of the TDM put together uh, ahead of the schedule that you just went through by uh, the time that we submit the amended development agreement for your consideration. So we're accelerating that. Some of the issues that uh, Mr. Austin identified that relate to the purchase contract and the related leases that come with that, uh, we're looking for a way to uh, push that sequence of activities further back so we don't have the pressure right now of trying to get that done and closed. When we sign the amended development agreement, I think that would make things uh, flow much more smoothly and take some of the pressure of time away. Uh, that's something that we're working to resolve this week as well. Uh, one of the other things that we'll be doing this week is submitting letters for both equity and debt uh, about a month ahead of schedule uh, so that we have time to work through that before we come back with the amended development agreement. So we're trying to pick up pace on the things that I think are probably most important to the city and to us right now so that we don't have the pressure of time when we come back with the amended development agreement. Some of the other items on the list I think are very manageable, the project labor agreement and some of the other things that are uh, documents that we have to get done that are important, all things that we're accustomed to dealing with. Those are in the works. We don't have them done yet, but I think in advance of when we submit the amended development agreement, we don't see anything ahead of us. Uh, that we will not be able to get done on the schedule that uh, you've just seen. Uh, the other point I would make is the TIF application will be submitted tomorrow. Uh, so we're, we're pacing with our schedule on that. So a lot of effort, a lot of activity between ourselves and the city and EXACT uh, to bring this together. And I would say the things that are most critical right now, we're trying to advance that effort so that we, as I said, we don't have the pressure of time as we get down to the point of having to come back here and go to council on September 1st. Thank you. Questions? No questions. Thank you very much. Thank oh, you. Excuse me, Alderman Cheeks. Um, you, you, thanks for being here. Um, you said that you expect to be able to work your way through the um, uh, labor piece and project labor agreements without too much uh, trouble in the in the document as it exists you make reference to the Hilton um, Madison Menona Terrace Hotel and as you may have gathered from uh, from some folks that that's not up to the standard that we're looking for in this so when you say that you expect to be able to make progress on something that should be easy um, uh, has your discussions revolved around um, a, a more strict uh, project labor agreement? Uh, 
I would separate what, what we think of as a PLA, a project labor agreement that relates to construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been very active around Wisconsin with PLAs, uh, including work here in Madison. So that's something that I'm very comfortable with. We have an excellent relationship with the building trades throughout Wisconsin, so I don't see any issues there. Uh, as it relates to the ongoing operation of the hotel, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think of that as a PLA necessarily. That would be a labor agreement. Right. We have always looked at what was put in place with the Hilton as at least the one reference point that we have in this market. We got some language back late last week uh, that was proposed by the city. I haven't seen the language yet. It, it was explained to me. It didn't sound terribly onerous, so I wouldn't say anything like this is easy, but I'm confident we can work through the mechanics of that and get to something that we are comfortable with and hopefully the city would support. Further questions? Alderman McKinney? Uh, thank you. I, I'd like to refer, and I, this is going forward, um, uh, closing December the 4th, 2015, it was Hiring Diversity MOU. Is that, I'm trying to determine where the urban, in the original document I saw that the Urban League was involved, and so I'm trying to push, put together where the Urban League fits in your list of things to do and priorities. I would defer to Mr. Conroy to speak to that. Uh, When that came up before, it was in in reference to uh, EXACT and a program that they have in place currently uh, within the community with the Urban League. Uh, to promote hiring, uh, but he would be able to speak to that better than I could. Yes. Thank you, Alderman McKinney, um, and, and thanks for having us. Um, I'm on the board of the Urban League, so I, I want, and I have been for four years now, so I, I want to say that there is uh, a commitment on the company's part and that long uh, uh, occurred before this project. Um, and Anna Hooker, the head of our laboratory, came to me two years ago shortly after joining and said, look, we, I really want to work with the Urban League to promote diversity in the workplace, particularly at our uh, laboratory facility and our customer contact center where we knew we would be hiring a lot of people. Um, Anna has uh, worked with the Urban League on a program for training towards the contact center and uh, that is something that we're committed to uh, over time and hope, hopefully is something that we can expand upon. Um, so this is something that's been important to the company for a long time. It's not new, and we will uh, continue to make efforts. I don't know. I, this is the first I've heard of a memorandum uh, of understanding. Um, I, I, I don't know about where this is in any documentation, but it has been a part of what we, we have been doing as a company for a long time. So in the discussion of pulling all these pieces together, um, when and you're on the board of Urban League, so I congratulate you for that, um, has there been a recent conversation with the, um, the Urban League and putting these pieces together so that when it's presented, it would be a full package that really um, make some strong commitments to what that diversity piece looks like with some measurements so that as we look at it, we can see that um, you're really making a commitment to diversity and how we can look back and see that you're, you're, you're actually meeting those. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, I'm happy to uh, go back to the team and really find out where we are in terms of the program, how robust it is. Um, 
and uh, come back and, and uh, provide, uh, and I'm happy to do this in writing, um, what the program is and what that program will be in the future. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Further questions? Thank you. Um, I just want to clarify that that is not part of this contract correct working with the urban league that is part i mean it's been we've seen language on it but it's actually i'm, I'm trying I to understand i don't it's, believe it's part of the contract. right it's part it's something that your company is supporting i mean and you want to support it but it's not part of this contractor negotiation as far as i'm aware it's not i have not been involved in all of the details so uh, I can find the answer to that. The program started well in advance because we thought it was the right thing to do for the city uh, of, of Madison and for our broader community. Correct. I just wanted to clarify that, that it's a separate company initiative. I believe that is correct. Okay. Thank you. Alderman Rowe. I want to follow that up. So if we're doing the jobs tip, how, how does reporting on who gets hired – I'm just curious. I mean, maybe we want to see some reporting, maybe secondary to the lease, but just it's a good point that you raised. I don't know if anybody has thoughts on that or the, if we do this normally where we get reports on these kind of things, but it would be good to know. You're looking at me like you're asking me a question. I didn't hear enough of it. Hi. In the development agreement, let me just read one pair, one line. Uh, preparation of a mutually acceptable hiring diversity MOU to be executed by exact and the city at the project, project commencement closing as set forth in section 3.5a. So it's in here. So it, it would be, you could have a reporting element. Yes. You could. Yep. So it is part of the contract then. Yes. And if that's the case, you know, this may not be limited to the work that we're doing with, with the Urban League, and I. Um, the company is really committed to making sure that we have a diverse workforce. Further questions? All right. If not, what I'd like to do uh, at this juncture is find out from the board, do you want to continue uh, going into discussions of the issues with uh, the representatives from Exact Science, Mr. Conroy, and from JDS? Mr. Dunn and George Austin and our staff, or at this point, do you want to get into specialized discussion regarding the negotiating? So that, that means closed session. Yes, if we'd like to go into closed session. Yeah. So is there anything else that you'd like to bring up in an open session? Mayor, before you go into closed session, uh, I know there's been some discussion around parking. Yes. And uh, I just want you to hear from me um, our perspective on parking. Um, we initially, I believe, there are 370 parking spots available uh, to the company. Our goal is to have as many employees as possible in the facility. Um, I know what the contract says. I think initially the minimum amount is 300. I would expect it to be well north of that, and I would expect on day one to be in a position where we don't have enough parking for all of the employees there. 
we are committed over um, the course of being in this building in not only um, in words, but per the terms of the contract, there will not be enough. We don't believe there will be enough parking spots for every employee. So we are going to have a proactive program, whether they are incentives or disincentives for people, disincentives for people to drive to work, or incentives for people not to drive to work, and um, are committed to utilizing the public transportation system, their feet, their bicycles. Um, this makes it a lot easier for me to drive my my bike to work, which I've never really been able to. Um, this so. Uh, over time, if we end up with eight, nine hundred employees in this phase, just by pure math, with only approximately four hundred, maybe it grows over time to approaching five hundred parking spots. Um, we need to incentivize people to use um, other um, modes of transportation to get into into work, and we're committed to doing that. Thank you. All and clear. Thank you, Mr. Conroy. I appreciate those statements, but they, they sort of fly in the face of, of what Mr. Aurora was testifying at the last council meeting, where he described really what I would call an insistence on um, free parking being available to at least some of the employees. And it seems like, you know, when you talk about incentives, the most obvious incentive for people to not drive is to not provide free parking to them. So could you help us reconcile those two Well, things? sometimes with uh, time you get wisdom. And um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we're really trying to focus on uh, the, the business. And uh, Manish uh, and I did not have a chance to speak. He has not been primarily involved in this. The overall economic package is has been critical, that if we go someplace else with the headquarters, parking is likely to be free. And so to the employees, uh, to the employees. But um, on a, as I've said before, it's more expensive for exact sciences to be downtown. And we have to deal with the fact that not everybody's going to get a parking spot. Um, and so with, we've had a, a chance to, to talk. And where we are very clearly is that just simple math dictates not everybody's going to get a parking spot much less a free parking spot. So I think there has been progress made in this discussions, and I wanted you to hear from me that uh, it's something that is actually one of the attractive things about being downtown. Um, there are going to be a lot of people who walk to work. There are going to be a lot of people who take the bus to work. It's just it's going to be less expensive for them to do that rather than driving a car. And already our younger workforce uh, a great number of them already live within walking distance uh, of the square, and they've expressed the perspective that they want to um, uh, walk to work. Many of them would prefer, many of them are taking the bus now and uh, would rather walk a shorter distance. So um, if that clarifies where we are today and what we're committed to doing, it just go back to it is math. If we have uh, 900 employees in in the facility here, there will be half that many parking spaces. Further questions? Matt? We will move on to the closed session. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Motion, Alderwoman DeMarb. 
like to move the council into closed session when the board of Est- or the council the board of estimates into closed session when the board of estimates considers the following item it may go into closed session pursuant to section 19.851e Wisconsin statutes which reads as follows deliberating or negotiating the purchasing of public properties the investing of public funds or conducting other specified business whenever competition competitive or bargaining reasons require closed session. If the Board of Estimates does convene in closed session as described upon, above upon completion of the closed session, notice is hereby given that it may reconvene in open session to consider the following items without waiting 12 hours, pursuant to Wisconsin Stats Section 19.852. Second from anyone who can repeat all that. (laughs) There's a second discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Oh, roll call. Cheeks. Uh, yes. Eskert. Aye. Rommel. Aye. McKinney. Aye. Demarb. Aye. Unanimous. 5-0. We're in closed session, so. Shut the doors. Disconnect. And take it from there.